0: Hey, I'm Allison Hare and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. You know the saying, you are what you eat. Today's guest is the founder of Stop Think Too, Julia Kessler. Julia is a private holistic chef and local food activist. She has a very unconventional background and so many tips on what you can do to have more energy, feel better, and actually make an impact on a very complicated and broken food system. I hope you enjoy. So today... (laughs) Today we're in the den. We're in the hair
1: (laughs) lair. Yeah, it's never been down here.
0: Yes, we're here with Julia Kessler from Stop Thing 2. Julia Kessler, hi, welcome. Hi, Allison. Hey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Julia and I have been working together for a little over a year, and she's a private, holistic chef. I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right. A private, holistic chef and an urban food activist? No, a local food activist. You got it. You got it. (laughs) I'd love to learn a little bit more about who you are and how you got here. How you got
1: to my couch? (laughs) How did I get to your couch? Well, as you said, we've been working together for over a year now and cooking you and bringing you and your family meals every week to kind of support just a healthier lifestyle when life gets really busy. My journey as a private chef is definitely unconventional. I began cooking from a very young age. My grandmother, who's in South Africa where I was born, is very influential in my life and has been in the food world in South Africa for her entire career. She's In her mid-80s, she would not want me to reveal that, (laughs) and is still working every day with chefs to basically bring young chefs that are starting out through these trainings and helping them sort of rise to the top, um, which is really amazing. So she is a huge influence, and then she's my dad's mother, and then my father is the day-to-day influence in my life when it comes to food, and that's really I think where a lot of it begins, we were the household. um, You didn't come home from school and my friends will still testify to this and remember this where you could put like pizza bagels in the oven. (laughs) There was absolutely none of that. It was like, make your own snack if you want it. And then everything else really was made. I mean, my dad is the cook in my family. He woke up and made us breakfast. We were eating avocado toast before it was trendy and, um, (laughs) Before it was hashtag basic, <laughs> hashtag basic or, you know, $12. And then that evolved and I was always involved in nonprofits. How did you get involved in that? I just,
0: I, my, my youth had nothing to do with activism, social causes. It was like IML for myself <laughs> at this point. So how do you even get
1: introduced to? making the world better at such a young age? I grew up in Atlanta. So born in South Africa, moved to the States when I was four, grew up in Atlanta, and my parents still live in their same house in Sandy Springs, and went to a Jewish school until I was in eighth grade, and then went to public school. It was definitely just that diversity that you need to be exposed to. It was ingrained in us. We called our house the revolving door because people of all different Colors, shapes, sizes, backgrounds were coming into our home. So I started getting involved when we went back every summer in South Africa with nonprofits there. And then an organization called Invisible Children came to our high school. And at that time, it was what the organization that really caught, and I think they are still looked at in case studies as doing some of the best captivating of young people to call them to mm. action. I went on CNN when I was 16 to talk about oh Invisible God. Children because... They were talking about this Joseph Kony story, and Invisible Children had been talking about this rebel in Uganda for, and, like, he was... He's- still alive and they still haven't found him. But they were talking about this thing on CNN. And my I told my mom to pitch you. She has worked at CNN for 18 years. And I was like, you need to pitch this story. You need to pitch this story. And, you know, several years later, when this story about Joseph Kony was all of a sudden headline news and other, they were like, we need young kids who know about this. And my mom was like, well, my daughter's been involved with that for many years. And that sort of started it. So uh, when I left high school, I went to NYU and I studied urban food systems. I studied all the complexities and nuances that go into building food systems in urban places. And a lot of times, what is unequal about those situations? And I, in New York as well, I was working In a restaurant, and then I was working with nonprofits. Food again was sort of this running theme, but I wasn't at the center. Social justice causes, social entrepreneurship business, how can you have a business that has a social model, all of those things were stewing. And I was very lucky to go to the uh, college within NYU that you could design your own major. It sounds very millennial. It was very (laughs) millennial. So fast forward, I had the NYU is a very global school. So I had the pleasure of studying urban food systems in Berlin, in New York, and then I went back to South Africa, went back to South Africa and really dove back into food and reconnected with my grandma, spent time with her and really studied also just how complicated and unequal access to food is. In South Africa you have like you do in a lot of places in the world, very very rich people and very very poor people. And beginning to even scrape the surface on building a garden in one of the the townships and having and which is what we tried to do was so complicated. And it really, you know, it's sometimes it was discouraging. And so I was like, you know, we live in a world where the systems are just so messed up. And I think that the little role I can play in that is maybe by cooking food and just buying food from the people who are growing it. I went back to New York after being in South Africa and really just stuck to food. And I was studying, I like my last two semesters were all around food and nutrition and working in food startups. So I worked for one food startup, Dig In, which is sort of the, it's a fast casual dining restaurant, but it's like Sweet Green is maybe the, was born at the same time and is maybe the more famous restaurant that- I'm not familiar with either. Sweet Green is like Upbeat okay upbeat. (laughs) yeah Yeah, i get it yes it's that kind of concept you walk in but it's healthy and it's fast food but it's healthier and it's fresh upbeat you know went to see some of these places and essentially just took that very similar model which is doing really really well because people we're at a point where people are conscious of eating better and i i'll I would say people don't want to have a fad diet anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more of a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, right? It's not just like I'm going to diet to lose weight and I'm going to eat all the low-fat things. It's it's truly a lifestyle.
0: But we're in a position now where you and I have a little bit of an advantage being in a very major metropolitan city where we have access to healthy foods, whereas people that may live in rural areas – or places where they're just, they don't have access. I think this is a part that's frustrating for me. Like, um, I was telling you the other day that I know somebody that um, has, uh, I don't know if it's contracted, but he is, he's diabetic. He is newly diabetic um, and has a very unhealthy lifestyle. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's not his fault at all. And yes, he can yeah. be told that, but, you you know, like the food companies and the organizations and these massive organizations want mm-hmm. us to be addicted, addicted to Doritos, to chips, yeah, to whatever. I mean, and so a healthy meal, you know, I know for me, if I was going to be eating healthy when I was in my 20s and didn't know better, eating healthy for me was getting a salad at Chili's, which is like 1,865
1: yeah. calories or yeah. something crazy. I mean, right The biggest piece, and that's why I said it's really a systematic issue. It's it's be bigger than one person, and it's really driven by selling your product. And even today, product, it's trendy today to be healthy in major cities, let's say, or the health food. So companies that five years ago were doing everything low fat or 10% less sugar, you know, or low carb because that was a huge thing are now like healthy, fresh, all these buzzwords, right? So it's being able to sift through some of that. And access and education is the biggest barrier. But I do think that if you're in a rural town, you likely have access to canned vegetables which or canned beans and if you are in a town like walmart is probably there a kroger or equivalent is probably there what you can do is buy a tin of chickpeas a tin of black beans some a can of tomatoes a packet of ground turkey you know i would say organic but even just that put you know an onion and maybe salt, pepper, and a couple of other spices. Make that and cook that, and at least you are making a meal. You can; make, it's cheap, right? Ninety-nine cents or fifty-nine cents even for a can of beans. Um, you get, and then you've got a meal for a lot of people. Maybe a family of four. If we're just you know trying to quantify, it could be over several days. One pound of ground turkey. Just the regular stuff is about $3.99 or $4.99 a pound, 59 cents for your canned beans. So, for under $7, you can create a meal and that is an entry point. You know, then you can go further on into the sourcing and organic. And while those things are important, if you have access to them, to even just begin a turkey chili at home without a bottle of barbecue sauce that is filled with sugar, just to start. But it is really hard. I mean, I, th- you're right. It's not easy if you just don't have the information. Were you horrified
0: when you came to America and your grandmother makes everything from
1: scratch and everybody's got a
0: freezer full of pizzas and chicken nuggets and whatever? I mean,
1: I think that I understand why my dad like, was so adamant on feeding us the way he did from a young age, although at the time I resented it. I think I understood it better. It's also hard because I had that luxury. I had that privilege, like, of even just being able to differentiate. So when you do go into communities like I have and there's only so much access to a certain thing, then you've just got to Start at the foundation and you just have to also understand and i've had a few things happen to me in the last week or so that reminded me food is so political and Mm -hmm. it's so personal um you are so right about that and i had like so so i guess going back to my philosophies now and my practices primarily before i say organic before i say anything i say shop locally say go and meet your farmer. I as you know today I stopped at four different farms, picked up food that I will be feeding you on Monday. And <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and you know and that's the gap that I want to fill because even if, you know, you as a client don't necessarily have the time or the knowledge or the interest in doing that, you obviously care and you're investing in yourself. So if I can just bridge that gap and do that then but Knowing where your food is coming from and and just meeting the person that's growing it, to me, that is more important than buying organic because organic, on another level, is a certification that costs eight hundred dollars a year to a farmer to uphold. And they have to have all these things done to their soil and amended. And it's also part of that, you know, barrier
0: that's insane that they have to pay money to to keep be their certified fresh. But I mean, to, it's so, funny, Like um, I think Hail Me Crazy as a sign in their thing where they said organic food, which your grandmother used to call food. Food, exactly.
1: <laughs> Just food, you know? And so they grow, a lot of the farmers that I shop with grow under a thing that's called certified naturally grown. It's all organic practices, but they can't get that stamp mm-hmm. by the USDA because there's all... So... It's just not simple, and it is so political. So just to backtrack for a moment, when I came back to Atlanta after living in New York and working in the food startup world, I went back to nonprofits and worked um, for two and a half years at the Captain Planet Foundation, which is an amazing nonprofit helping to educate kids around science and basically creating this next generation of planeteers, they say, based on the show Captain Planet and it was such an eye-opener also where we were dealing with kids and schools and school systems that you're just trying to put a garden in a school so that not even if the garden's not supplying the whole cafeteria just for science garden for for educating and for science and so I used to do sometimes cooking demos in the gardens and one of the biggest the cutest things or the jokes that a kid had said was the cucumber was growing and the teacher was like, where does the cucumber come from? And you know, the plant and the stem. And then the kid said, but when's the plastic going to grow over it? (laughs) Because that's the only way that they had ever seen a cucumber was wrapped in plastic. So, and then there's all the barriers of working with the schools Mm -hmm. and what you're allowed to do and food safety. So it's so complicated, but that's why I think that if you can, whether you live in a rural area and you or whether you live in a city, and again, there's much more access in a city like Atlanta. We have farmers markets every single day of the week. And even if you buy one thing, or you just know what's in season, I think that's like the best way we can vote with our with with our dollars, you know and. Mm. Yeah, and and so that is more nutrient dense because it hasn't traveled and it's right here, and you're literally getting it a few days after harvest or one day after harvest or the same day as the harvest, and that is better for your body. And that I never is even health. thought about the harvest
0: yeah, <laughs> being exactly. a factor in what I buy. And I remember, I remember this has been like a series of aha moments, and it's been an evolution for me of just learning. You know, like I used to eat Subway like it was going out of style (laughs) every single day. I would have, you know, the Italian BMT at Subway. And one day it just clicked like, wait a minute, the meat that they're using is completely processed. There's no way that this Mm -hmm. is being sourced from a a healthy place. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I do now? You know, it was almost like this series of light bulb moments when you start to, backtrack it and again like i said it's it really has been an evolution of learning you know and over the years i've worked with nutritionists and worked with health coaches and people on instagram that Mm -hmm. are fitness and life you know healthy coaches personal trainers just to fit you know figure out what is my personal coding you know for for what's going to work and when you know i i'm I'm a little embarrassed to say that we work with you because it sounds so bougie.
1: <laughs> no, but for us, it's like it's it's changed everything. It's well, changed thank everything. You. I mean, for that's us. that's just my goal, and it's you know it does. And when I say I'm a private chef, and it's like oh, only certain people could afford a private chef, and I'm like, well, that is why. You know, I offer other things like a cooking class. I just did cutest cooking classes with um, summer camps this week or a lunch and learn for just people in corporate settings that have access, have the income to maybe spend not only on a private chef, but to buy foods that they think they're healthy. They're spending hundreds of dollars a week probably at Whole Foods. But just to have one slight step, and it can be overwhelming, which I also understand. And I don't, ex- I do what I do because I love it. And I don't expect everyone to drive to every farm and to pick up. <laughs> and I don't expect that. But I do try to say, you know, if there's one thing you can do, find one market, even if you go to it once a month that you know is in your neighborhood. If you live in Buckhead, which is obviously an affluent suburb in Atlanta. You have the Peachtree Road Farmer's Market every Saturday morning. You have Brookhaven Farmer's Market Saturday morning. If you live in town, you have the Grant Park Farmer's Market every Sunday morning. You have Freedom Farmer's Market at the uh, Carter Center every Saturday morning. You have... There's the one in Morningside too, Morningside right? yeah. on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. You've got... Piedmont Park on a Saturday. So, so the weekends are certainly full. But then during the week, if you live in Decatur or East Lake, you've got the Decatur Farmer's Market, which is at a little church. Um, if you live in East Atlanta or Moreland or a little bit further in the east, you've got the East Atlanta Village Farmer's Market every Thursday. You have Ponce City Market at the Shed on a Tuesday. So They are doing these organizations and different farmers markets are doing, you know, a very intentional, that's their whole mission is to at least provide some access, you know, and that's, for me, that's what I hope to just be one little help for people connecting. It's really connecting people who both have the access and the income to just understand to be able to then vote with their dollars and spend their dollars with farmers. And if that's through me, through weekly meal prep that is at a lower cost than having a private chef every week, you know that's why I've tried to create these several, I guess, avenues Mm. to be, at least have some knowledge. But I'm always learning too. And I'm always learning and being challenged by how complicated and political this food system really is.
0: And I'm wondering if people have options for eating if people have options like eating in a restaurant, and you know that before we started working with you, we are saving money with you because we spend Which is, so seems crazy. Yeah, because we we live we you walk out of our you know our house, and there are a hundred restaurants that we can walk in any direction, mm-hmm. and we would always succumb to convenience, and right. so we were eating poorly and, you know, making bad choices or like they have a loaf of bread before before right. dinner and with our kids. And it just turned out to be so expensive for us or going out to eat for lunch every day, that for you, you've been a saver for us. And I'm wondering about the options of how do you make better choices if it's like one of the meal prep services, like Blue Apron or Plated or any of those ones, or restaurant or home cooking? What are the benefits in, of all of those? Are, are Is there merit to those?
1: Yeah, I think that it really depends on who you are and what your situation is. What I've learned in doing this for the last two years is that you've got to find what fits in with your schedule. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Let's talk, okay, so the Atlantan that is in your position, you were eating out a lot and you were succumbing to convenience, but you had the choice to eat at a restaurant instead. Number one, having been a restaurant chef and cook for in several different places, restaurants are delicious and they use a lot of oil and a lot of salt to be delicious mm. and to make you drink more. And it's all part of the business and you want that flavor because you're going to a restaurant to indulge a little bit. So just by the moment you walk in that door, you're going to be consuming more oil and more salt than you would if you were making the food at home. We live in an era of convenience as well. You can order your groceries to your door within an hour. So if you are somebody who likes to cook, take the hour out of your life if the grocery store is just such a pain in the ass for you. Order your food if that's gonna be easiest. And once a month or once a week, find a market to go to and supplement what you're buying by going to a farmer's market. And then there's also amazing companies that have popped up in Atlanta to help fill those gaps as well. Fresh Harvest is an online subscription you can get a weekly box of um, food delivered ingredients groceries you can also shop on their platform from local artisanal brands that you can get that are local brands that you can shop from and they'll deliver so if you don't want to go to any of the markets Fresh Harvest is doing that for you. And if you are somebody who likes plated or blue apron, Peach Dish is the local Atlanta one. Um, they ship nationally, but they are a meal kit that sources, I would, I would say ethically, they source ethically and they invest in the people that are growing their food and you get your box and you get your list of ingredients. Um... With where you know the potatoes in the kit or the chicken in the kit came from that week, and if you don't want to do any of that and you want your meals delivered to your doorstep on a weekly basis, shameless plug, but that's <laughs> you know why I created the meal prep delivery because it's following all those principles and not shopping, and you can get it delivered to your door on a Monday, fully prepared if you don't want to do any of the shopping, but some people find, want to cook, you know? And so it's finding that balance of what works for you. But I really say, do what's going to fit into your schedule because otherwise you're not going to do it. And it's, as you said before, it's a lifestyle. It's not going to be sustainable for you.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do that. And I'm wondering... How do you girl? How do you scale? How do you scale your business? You you have this mission to have the contribution that you can make. For our family it's been significant. My husband lost 10 pounds, you know, immediately you. from from working with you and just changing our lifestyle. It's been amazing. I feel better, we're less stressed over trying to find things. I don't like to cook. Um, and I came from a house like you did where everything was made from scratch. My mom was a
1: chef. Yeah. You know, I remember she, she had a catering company.
0: <laughs> she had a catering business, but I ended up cleaning everything. So I didn't want to cook, <laughs> cook and clean, you know, like for us, it, it, it's made a huge impact for us. But how do you scale what you do? So.
1: That's the burning question. What is your mission? I mean, my mission is to connect more people with where their food comes from and put dollars back into the pockets of farmers who are growing that food. They are the real superheroes. They are the real superheroes here. Like, I am just a bridge. They are the one. I couldn't do what I do without them. And... You know, I laugh because today I spent probably six hours driving to different farms, but that is part of the process for me. They are the true superheroes. You can cover up food with sauce and salt, and but it starts with your ingredients. It really starts with your ingredients. So the farmers are the superheroes, and I just want to, because of the networks that I have and I'm lucky and privileged to have, I can connect them or my clients to buy from them, even if it's through me. So that is, I would say, the mission and getting more people to just understand that eating a healthier, whole diet is possible. Like I said, even if you are in a rural place with very low access, you know, buying tins of beans, buying even if you're not buying meat, because that's What is a, a tin of beans? Like a can of beans. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, a tin That's <laughs> the South African side. Like a can of beans, buying an onion, buying some brown rice instead of white rice. I mean, these are staples in most grocery stores. So a can of beans and a bag of brown rice and maybe a tomato or an onion, that is a good start and those are baby steps that just need to be acknowledged so how do I scale so meal prep delivery is one way that I scale that is a weekly menu that comes out it changes every two weeks you choose from that menu and we make it gets delivered and that is how that you know involves me with the menu and I'm there cooking but that's how we get to more people Really though, my next goals is for Stop Think Chew to grow and as a meal prep service really by being able to spend more money with farmers and get more people eating healthy, clean, real food that is sourced here. And there's another gap in this market for entrepreneurs like myself to work out of licensed facilities. Um, and so, I'd really like to create a hub for that as well, and a hub of resources, so that sourcing for new entrepreneurs who are starting catering businesses or starting a product, understand sourcing, and new restaurants understand sourcing, and you know where it begins, and then a whole three hundred and sixty model where then the food is made, that and what happens amazing. to the waste. So what? The so
0: composting. The, I just the, learned what I'm so
1: embarrassed. I just learned okay what composting
0: for, is like it's two months ago.
1: See, it's baby steps, you know, you don't have, it's like, I can give you a good composting service, um, compost now. <laughs> there's a lot of people in it, there's small businesses in Atlanta that are really plugged into this, and it's definitely a little tight-knit world, and so my goal really is to just get this tidbits of information to more people, like more people sign up for a Peach Dish if you want to cook and have a meal kit delivery, more people order your food through Fresh Harvest if you want something convenient, more, you know, more people understanding what composting is and using another company called Compost Now, more people ordering meal prep delivery, if that's something you want, or having a lunch and learn just to slightly understand tiny baby steps we can take. Like, everybody's at a different stage in this process. And I think at the end of the day, we all just want to feel better, right? Like, I think that's why you found me. And I also seek, you know, like, relationships with my clients. We all just want to feel better in our day-to-day lives, have energy for our our friends, have energy for our spouses and our partners and our kids. We all just want to feel better. And I think that these are there's a lot of little steps you can do to do that.
0: I feel like the timing is right for that, that people are looking for purpose, they're looking to feel better, they're looking for connection. I just didn't realize that all of it goes back to our food. You know, the anxiety that we feel as a nation, the, you know, the stress that we have, the, you know, the, the level of expectation on our productivity, all comes back to food, you it know, really and, and how we fuel our body. It's like the fuel you
1: put in a car, you know? Exactly. That is exactly how you have to think about it. You are, you know, they say you are what you eat. You truly are. And it's the only thing you're, I mean, you're putting water into your body, but food and water. And what you put into your body is the only thing that you are doing every single day. And that's why I say also, right? Somebody was like, well, don't you feel like there's competition in this market? And I'm like, everybody needs to eat every single day. And how they do that changes. This is a Multi-multi billion-dollar industry. Let alone across, you know, the country and in Atlanta, restaurants are popping up like wildfire. And there's a reason for it because we seek entertainment, we're seeking connection, and we're also have to eat every day. Even if you're somebody who doesn't really think about food, and we were talking about, you know, one a client that really just food is not on the radar, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. So she's just trying to figure out how to fuel herself in a healthy way. Because food is like so secondary, so we're all at different stages in this, and I think for me, I just want to help people wherever they're at in this cycle or wherever they're whatever phase and stage they're at. It's all an evolution of learning, exactly. I think. You know, and I, I
0: remember—I don't know why this keeps coming back to me—but um, when I was in my twenties and in a lot of my thirties, I would go eat at Outback Steakhouse. And I would have that loaf of brown bread that tastes so damn good and with tons of so butter. And it is so good. I would have a full salad with croutons and dressing. I'd have a 14-ounce New York strip steak with whatever butter and crap mm-hmm. they put on it. And fries maybe or... Well, I would have a loaded baked potato and oh, then yeah. I would eat dessert. My body can't even process that now. And I don't know how you it know could. my 100-pound 20-year-old self could have house that like it was no big deal. And I'm wondering how the body gets trained. How could I have eaten pixie sticks and whatever my breakfast in high school was literally a can of Coke and and a box of M&Ms. That was my breakfast. So I didn't die at that time. And I had a really super fast metabolism. Why isn't my body more responsive? Why wasn't my body more responsive to the crap that I was eating where now it is?
1: Well, right. You said now you couldn't eat like that. Mm -mm. Our bodies change and our, you know, sugar is um, addicting. It's more addicting than cocaine, according to several scientific studies that have come out, both in scientific journals and medical journals. I should try cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, I think you were 20 and you, our bodies change, but I couldn't eat that now. All right. I was never exposed to some of those things. Yes, I drank Coke and I could, I love fries. I love a good fry once in a while. And But your body changes and your taste buds change. My favorite thing to hear from clients is, I'll say, I promise you if you just eat in this way for a little bit, it's going to maybe probably taste like earthy. I get that a lot. It tastes <laughs> earthy. I'm like, yes, it comes from the earth. Um, it tastes, you know, not this or... But then after a few weeks, it's like, wow, I tried deli meat, which when we get to some takeaways, I will tell you, deli meat is the one biggest thing I'd ask people to stay away from. Mm, That's tough. Tough. It's really tough because it's really convenient. Mm -hmm. But there are other options. But um, that, you know, the comment was, I can't believe how my taste buds have changed since we... Um, started working together, I had a turkey sandwich and it was so salty and I couldn't even finish it and my tongue felt weird. I guess that's the
0: question of how do we listen to our body, bodies better when we're eating stuff that may be questionable. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, y- yes, the utopian state is Yes, um, only pick single ingredient things right. like a leaf of lettuce or, yeah. you know, a, a tomato or something. But how do we pay better attention to our bodies? Like if we're tired, people don't realize that, that sometimes that lethargy.
1: Food. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to really think and monitor how you're feeling. If this is, if your health and your energy is even on your radar remotely, like after listening to this, you say, oh... I do feel really tired and I do feel like I don't have energy in the morning or at night. Write down and notice what you're eating. And if you notice that you've eaten, even if it seems healthy, toast and eggs for breakfast, an apple, then a pear, then a pizza, then, I mean, I'm saying things that are maybe not even that quote unquote unhealthy, you know, then a, cheese sandwich and you just do not feel good like where in that place did you feel that dip i ate pasta i ate mushrooms there's all different things that are triggers for us i think we just really have to notice how we're feeling write it down and then if you eat it again did i feel the same way
0: Do you feel there's benefit for like a a program like Whole30 where it is kind of an elimination diet where, from what I can tell, the benefit is that you really isolate what makes you feel a certain way or not, Um, but it's so extreme
1: in a lot of ways. I have issues with any, and they say they're not a diet. They say they're a lifestyle, which I do understand, but it is very hard to follow. I've done it once. I tried to do it a second time. I couldn't because I want to eat, you know, hummus because (laughs) my food is Israeli, you know, based with this South African touch to it and hummus is a staple part of what I eat. And so, but what it did help me notice is that maybe I don't feel so good after I eat lentils sometimes. I think there's definitely benefits in an elimination diet if you are just feeling super off. There are definitely benefits in that. But what our bodies truly need is a balance of our blood sugar. And our blood sugar is a yo-yo if we let it spike and crash. So, you know, paleo pancakes with a glass of orange juice and bacon sounds healthy-ish if you're out to, and a glass of rosé, maybe in a mimosa, if you're out to brunch with friends, even if you're at a quote-unquote healthy place, a few hours later you may crash mm. because your blood sugar isn't balanced. And that is, again, the one of the takeaways that I would say to notice. So the way you put that in practice is having a fat fiber and protein and greens with every meal. What would be a fiber? So let's, f-
0: let's go through a little yeah, bit of that. Yeah, we can go through that.
1: So a fat is your avocado, is nuts, is chia seeds, is oil. So a let's say you put this all on a plate. You know, you have a quarter of an avocado, you have that's your fat. Your fiber is both your greens. So let's say you're doing this in a salad, but you can't just have a green salad with a piece of chicken. You need a little bit of fat. So you need either like a tablespoon of olive oil or you need a quarter of an avocado or you need some nuts on there. Not all of those fats together. I often tell clients to start their day or have like a snack in the afternoon with a smoothie that consists of this so your fat would be um, a tablespoon of mct oil chia seeds or avocado makes it creamy your fiber comes from your greens um your spinach your kale throw that in there and from a little bit like a half of a pear or an apple your fruit that has skin on it So that and then your fat, or from um, your fat, also could come from uh, like almond butter or something like that. And then your protein in a smoothie would come from your protein powder or collagen or an egg, if you want to do that go, go that two eggs, I would say, if you're going to do it in that way. And blending that all together with a little bit of almond milk or water would be a very balanced. And you, if you eat that, you're like, wow, I'm not hungry for five hours because you've got the balance of fiber, fat, protein, and greens Um, There's a nutritionist, Kelly Levesque. She has a book called uh, Body Love. And she talks very strongly about your blood sugar. So that is like the balance. Your lunch, you can have a sandwich, but have your sandwich for lunch. And have, if you're not eating animal protein, if you're a vegan, get it from beans. Beans can also be a fiber. So yeah, or your dinner can be a sweet potato, your greens in some form broccoli, artichokes for you. (laughs) I love my artichokes. (laughs) You know, a a strong fibrous green are your very dark leafy greens, kale, spinach, collard greens, chard, all very available
0: right now. Yeah, that's true. And I'm actually teaching my son about how to eat because my kids, as you know, are both not great eaters. And I was telling him that proteins are what build your muscle and help you grow. Fat keeps you full. And then the carbs or I guess the fibers mm-hmm. are what give you energy.
1: Yeah, it's a very good way to describe it to to anyone really, <laughs> and especially a six-year-old, k- six-year-old. Protein comes down to the amino acids and, and how that reacts and breaks down in your body and the protein keeps you full too. The protein is what builds you and makes you strong and, and keeps you full. Is
0: there a difference between animal protein and plant protein because there's bit be, there's always debates on those. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, it, people ask if if somebody's vegetarian or vegan, well how do you get your protein? It appears as if one is better than the other.
1: You know, people are vegan and vegetarian for a host of reasons, mm-hmm. a lot of which is environmental in terms of veganism and health-related. But the biggest thing is that each body is different. So the, in terms of proteins, yeah, the way that our our cells basically accept the amino acids, they accept them basically directly from the animal protein. It breaks down and like, can penetrate the cell and you've got it. You have to eat a far larger quantity of plant proteins like beans, legumes, even our greens have protein in them. You just have to eat a huge amount of them to get the same amount of protein. We also don't need as much protein as like all these things say we do, you know, a four-ounce piece of chicken is a serving size for protein.
0: Even for men versus women?
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends also what they're doing. How active are mm-hmm. they? Are they bodybuilding? Are they not even bodybuilding? Are they doing weights? Men's generally, very generally speaking, men's metabolisms are faster. So they definitely would need a larger amount of um, of protein, depending on their activity level. Four ounces is a serving size of protein. It's hard to, you know, see this on a podcast. But if... It's your. It's smaller than your um palm. It's about your palm. And if you think about the fourteen ounce steak you were eating at, that's. <laughs> I, I did that. But that's you know three to four serving sizes of a steak really. We just eat too much, and I think that that's also the funny thing with meal prep and what I work with a nutritionist here in Atlanta. If and she specializes in uh weight loss very specifically. Her name is Cheryl Westerman, and if somebody's really trying to lose weight, she is the best person to go to. I'll be sure to link all these people. <laughs> Suggestions yeah, on the podcast. She's yeah. a really wonderful, um, w- she's weight loss. So she refers a lot of her clients to me for weight loss specifically. I get to plug all my local <laughs> patterns and um, eating and philosophies onto these people, but they are just mostly concerned about losing weight, which is also where they are in their journey. And portion size is the biggest thing of all of this. Just, mm. We just eat too much. We just eat too much food. Is part of it just training your body? It's training your body. And once you change certain things, you adapt. We're very resilient, but we think we need so much. And we think we can't do without, but we're actually resilient. And we actually don't need that much to to survive and stay satiated, but I promise you, if you think about your meals as fiber, fat, protein, and greens, which can be your fibers, and you balance your meals in that way, your hunger for all the other stuff that we're, you are addicted to definitely will dissipate. So
0: much of it is so habitual too. Like mm-hmm. I've noticed that since eating with you that I am completely full, happy. Every All of your food is super flavorful. So it's not even like I'm forcing these leaves and air down my throat, you know? It really yeah. is very well thought out and conscious, conscious specifically to our taste buds and, and right. what works. But I still always have that trigger, like, I just want the chocolate. I want the chocolate right after, and I just have to hold until my body catches It takes, like, 10, 15 minutes. If I can, like, resist for 10, 15 minutes after I'm done eating, I'm perfectly fine.
1: And you're not hungry. And you also sometimes realize that you, like, I may, you know, if you're eating a big salad or a plate of a plate that has potatoes. I think, what did I make for you guys last week? It had left you like steak, grass-fed, high-quality steak, potatoes, and a tomato salad. And there was like the fat came from the oil that was cooked in and the fiber and came from your, um, the tomatoes. And there was the starch with the potatoes. You know, I also wouldn't say have potatoes every single day, but, and you eat that. And then you may want a little piece of chocolate afterwards, but you also, I think, can't eat as much when it's real food as like if, you know, eating a whole yeah, pizza by yourself. I'm like, you're whoa, gonna I'm- gonna house avocados. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> like, whoa, after half an avocado, we're, I'm full because it's got so much density in there. The nutrients are so compact in less amount of food. Listen, this is taking care of ourselves as a choice. If you have the choice on one end of the spectrum and being conscious of- of what we put into our bodies. But it takes work. It's not so easy to change these habits overnight. And on the other hand, if you... It's just little by little or just crowding out the bad. And that's why... And then on the other hand... Exactly. And then on the other hand, if you just don't even know where to begin, I would just say eat more vegetables. I would just say put a vegetable on your plate or put something on your plate that you think is maybe semi-healthy or make a... If you you know as you said you're the person that you know who doesn't even know where to begin mm. very simple straightforward that we could even link recipes of turkey chili that cost less than $5 to feed i would say at least six people a, send that to me yeah a roasted a roast chicken that's 7.99 that's already roasted for a family um from Kroger, Publix, whatever grocery store, Walmart, a little bit of greens, brown rice or a sweet potato instead of potatoes. 7.99 you probably get two sweet potatoes for four people, so you're probably at $9 plus one thing of greens, you're probably at like $11 for four people or $10, you know, depending what that green, you get one head of broccoli, you get frozen broccoli. There are choices to be made and there are a lot of resources out there now just to get you started. And it just depends where on this journey you fall. So how do people get in touch with you?
0: How do they get involved?
1: <laughs> so again, depending on what you're looking for, um, my website is probably the where all the information lives. Stopthinkchew.com. Stop and just pause about what you're doing, thinking about where our food's coming from and taking a moment to really chew and eat as opposed to scarfing down. So that's where <laughs> that name comes from. Um, Stopthinkchew.com, Instagram at stopthinkchew, or Julia at stopthinkchew.com. And yeah, like I said, there's things on varying scales.
0: The cooking experience is so
1: fun oh yeah the cooking so classes with couples with girlfriends yeah with it's people. a great yeah. way to just learn something new i think the girlfriends we did it with loved uh, the raw cooking class i yes. love cooking classes both for individuals yeah groups um offices i think that a lot of time especially in sort of the more tech world which you are in everybody buys lunch it's a perk now Lunch is a perk for offices, I would say. It's something that a lot of people do. So corporate catering like that and lunch and learns if you just want your office to be healthier. And um, yeah, or just say hi and ask where your local farmer's market is. There's lots of ways. I'm I'm pretty easy to get in touch with.
0: Yeah, and I will link um, the farmer's markets in Atlanta that you had talked about. I'll link them all in the show notes. So we can give people some tools to kind of take those steps to just having a healthier Body, because I feel like the m- the more conscious you are of what you put in your body, you feel better, you sleep better. There's less sickness, there's less illness. Um, exactly.
1: Yeah. I just say, and that's what I'd leave you with, and and leave people with, is become aware of our your food, both how it makes you feel and where it's coming from. And um, from there, I can help to guide you. Or there's a lot of people in Atlanta or elsewhere around the country that can help to guide in whatever part of this journey that you're on.
0: Well, Thank you so much, Julie. I enjoyed thank it. Thank you. That was great. Thank, thank you. Thanks, thanks you. Allison. Whew. Julia's got so many great tips on choosing a healthier lifestyle I love the saying that you can vote with your dollars by where you buy your food I've linked all of the references she mentioned in the show notes and if you'd like to learn more or liked what you heard please reach out to Julia speaking of liking what you've heard I'd love to hear from you too Please rate, review, and subscribe to Little Left of Center. And if you care about the topic, please share. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.